0: Hello, everybody. This is Ari in the air. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you're doing good. Um, today, I got some things to talk to you about. And uh, I think these things might be helpful for you to conceptualize what it is that you could possibly be doing right now to better understand what's going on, as well as take action to make the future world a little bit better, okay? So, yesterday I was talking to Akira the Dawn. If you've ever heard of Akira the Dawn, Akira the Dawn is a DJ and rapper, and he has created these albums called Meaning Wave, a lot of us have listened to and experienced Jordan B. Peterson's teachings. And Akira the Dawn took Jordan B. Peterson's lectures and he used them as samples in his electronic music sets. And they are so, so, so good. So if you've never seen or heard Akira the Dawn's music, you should definitely check it out. But yesterday I was talking to him. Um, I belong in this. Stoic philosophy group based out of Toronto and he was doing a presentation and I had some questions for him So I was talking to Akira the dawn yesterday And he said something that absolutely blew my mind and it It was like enlightening. It helped like kind of explain some things that were going on. It helped me understand some things that are going on as well as it helped me understand what my role is and how I can take action to make our our future a little bit better right and the thing he said was that politics are downstream of culture politics are downstream of culture the way that politics operate in any culture is uh you know secondhand to the culture the culture rules how the politics work in any given society but furthermore Culture is downstream of vibes. Politics is downstream of culture. Culture is downstream of vibes. Wow, what an amazing thing. So what does that mean about our society that we're living in right now? So here in America, we're pretty much stuck in this paradigm where the left hates people who support Donald Trump and can't imagine how they support Donald Trump. People on the right think that these... (laughs) libtards, right? Even just the name calling that just goes on is just such an indication of the culture. The politics are an indication of the culture and the culture is an indication of the vibes. So what does the politics say about the vibes in America right now? Well, I would say that the politics in America say that the vibes are immature The vibes are unactualized people. The people are name-calling, they are blaming, and they are looking to some kind of external authority, some kind of external framework to bring them out of whatever it is that they're facing. Right now, this is the meta-crisis. It's the economic, financial, spiritual, personal... Healthcare, food systems, ecological, climate change, all of these things that are all piling up on each other. The politics in America are showing that the vibes in America are immature. They are name-calling, they are blaming, they are looking to some kind of exterior authority, something else outside of themselves to fix it, to change it, to take care of it. Wow, that's, that's pretty important, right? Because realistically, like our vibes are one of the very few things that we have actual control over. Like How we put ourselves out is something that we actually have control over. So if we want to control the politics, we can't control Donald Trump, but we sure can control our vibes. And our vibes create our culture. Here in Bend, Oregon, where I live, the vibe is pretty polite. Like, people are pretty nice. Like, you can pretty much anyone you pass, you can ask them how they are. You can strike up a conversation. Most people will bullshit with you for a minute. People at the grocery store tend to smile. That has kind of changed in the last month since the coronavirus has locked us down. But in general, we still have a choice to control our vibes and to... Uh, to shape our culture based on how we interact with the world. How we control politics is by going upstream. We go upstream of politics to culture and we steal the culture back. To steal the culture back that shapes politics, we go upstream of culture to vibes and we control our vibes. Seems pretty simple, right? How we interact with one another in public, how we interact with each other online shapes the culture that we live in. And the culture that we live in shapes the politics that we essentially are ruled by, kind of, right? Which, the other thing that This brings up for me is that if we acknowledge that politics is downstream of culture and culture is downstream of vibes and that the politics in America show that the vibes in America are immature, name calling, blame game, looking outside of ourselves for some kind of external authority to save us, to feed us, then... That also ties into the rest of our metacrisis, right? That's our political crisis, but the metacrisis, the ecological crisis, the climate crisis, the spiritual crisis, the personal developed crisis, the meaning crisis, the identity crisis that, we're, that we collectively have are all based... They have the same problem. It's a problem of maturation. It is a problem of maturation. It is a... Zach Stein made this analogy the other day. I interviewed him for the podcast, the Airy in the Air podcast. is available on all platforms. Check it out. Zach Stein is a Harvard PhD educational philosopher, author of this book, Education in a Time Between Worlds. Amazing. Couldn't recommend it more. The other day in our interview, he, he said to me, he made the analogy that humanity is at a point right now where it's like, late adolescence in a man's life, in a boy's life. There is a time where there's this stage in adolescence for a male where you get the physical strength of a man, even added testosterone, aggression, competitiveness. You get the ability to drive a fast car. You have sexual maturity but you don't yet have the understanding, the responsibility, the the maturity to actually manage these systems. So what happens in late adolescence so many times over, all over the world? What happens in late adolescence when a young boy becomes as strong as a man? He can buy the things that he wants, he gets money, he gets a car, He gets a girlfriend. What happens? We see unwanted pregnancy. We see driving so fast and crashing your car and killing your friends. We see physical violence. These are all things I experienced as uh, in my late adolescence. Um, I saw them rampant in my peer group. And the analogy that's being drawn here is that this is where we are as humanity. We have... As we have gone through time, we have developed exponential technology, right? You can think of exponential technology as the growth from a shovel to a 5 million pound excavator that can scoop so much dirt out and dig huge mines so quickly. You can think of it as the progression from a rod and reel fishing line to a mile-long dragnet that drags behind some kind of industrial barge in the ocean. These are the exponential technologies that we have developed over time, but we have yet to develop the maturation and the understanding to use them in a way that is actually sustainable, right? Uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger says that With exponential technology, we have essentially gained the power of gods to shape our landscape, to extract resources from the earth, to kill each other through nuclear weaponry. And unless we develop the wisdom and love of gods, that is a self-terminating system every single time. Every single time. So... We are in a maturation issue. We have the power of gods and not the wisdom of gods. We have the physical strength of men, but we don't have the wisdom of a grown, integrated, actualized, powerful man. We have the forceful strength of a man's body, but not the power of a integrated man. We have the power of gods to take all of the fish out of the ocean and to dig up all of the coal and to burn all of the shit and chop down all of the trees but we haven't yet developed the wisdom and love of gods that will guide us to use these powers that we've developed in some kind of way that doesn't just kill us literally like and it's not like a blink when when we talk about existential threat i think that a lot of people think of there being some kind of like moment the straw on the camel's back where one more gallon of gas gets burnt and blink the lights turn off but that's not actually how catastrophe works right like uh, catastrophe and existential risk looks like us devolving into some kind of vastly more violent vastly less vibrant living situation for all of us right our quality of life is really high right now we all have a lot of relative freedom to move and to grow and to be and to experience different cultures and to experience different ideas and existential threat takes us into a place that is much less complex it's a much lower level of existence, right? And we don't want that. We want to continue to grow and to evolve into a higher level of consciousness, a higher level of of existence, right? This is the caterpillar and butterfly analogy that we don't want to just eat all the leaves as a caterpillar until we have nothing left to eat. We eat enough leaves so that we can finally reach enlightenment where we go into a cocoon and dissolve into goo and reorder our material that then emerges as a butterfly that is just completely different structure. It's a, it's a evolution. It's not just a, it's not just like a little, it's not reform, right? We're not a a caterpillar doesn't reform itself. A caterpillar dissolves into goo and a butterfly comes out of the cocoon. very different it's a phase change it's a complete and total evolution and that is what we are facing as humanity we have a maturation evolution that we need we can't reform anything like to reform the government or to reform the um financial sector to reform the fiat currency thing and just like put a band aid on it and keep it going. That's what we did in 2008 when the financial market crashed. So we don't need reform. We need evolution. We don't need intellectualization on all of our systems. We need a holistic look at everything from our spirit to our bodies to our minds to our communities to our families to our relationships. That will mature. We have to mature. Let's be real. The level of maturity in adulthood in the world is fucking embarrassingly low. Embarrassingly low. There are five-year-olds who are less encumbered with their egos and more mature to be real with the people around them than the vast majority of adults in our world. So for us to evolve into the next phase of humanity, we have to reinvent personhood. We have to redefine what it means to be a mature adult. And currently, what does mature adulthood look like in America? It typically looks like paying your bills and having a bullshit job and and having children and a relationship that you're more or less... Um, excited about kind of on the fringe and where you keep your emotions inside of yourself and you try to avoid what is hard to look at and all kinds of really kind of petty things would define adulthood in America right now. And we have to completely reinvent that. We have to reinvent personhood, which means that we have to reinvent ourselves every time that is that is at the root of that. Any change in society comes from the aggregate change of people. In America right now and in the world at large, I am seeing a huge, huge tendency to blame, play the side game, right, left, Democrat, Republican, Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders, blame, blame, blame. No one, I, I wouldn't say no one. Let me step back one second. The vast majority of people are looking outside of themselves for the change. And the change is a maturation. It is the tides rising so that all the boats rise, the maturity of all the boats, the maturity of all of the adults, the level of parenting in the world needs to rise because the level of parenting is way too low. We have shitty parents in America. We have shitty parents in the world. We have to raise the level of education. We have to raise the idea of personhood. What does it mean to be a person? What does it mean to be a mature adult? We have to reinvent this. We have to steal the culture back. I started this podcast by talking about what Akira the Dawn said to me yesterday, which was politics are downstream of culture. Culture is downstream of vibes. We have to control our vibes. We have to up-regulate our own vibes. We have to up-regulate what it is to be a person. We have to up-regulate ourselves. And as we do that as individuals, we rise the tide. The aggregate rises. We become more mature. We become wiser. We become more powerful. We become more careful with these exponential technologies that we've developed. We stop cutting down the Amazon We stop dragging mile-long dragnets through the ocean and taking all of the fish out of the ocean all at once. Hmm. These are some big things to think about. There's some things that I'm doing in my life that I have decided are powerful to take action right now. Imperfect action is, is required right now. One of the things is growing food. Growing food. Um, Agriculture is a huge, huge impact on the earth. Agriculture is a massive impact on the earth, as you can imagine. 25% of all greenhouse gas emissions come from our food systems. That's a lot. So, growing our own food, lowering the amount of carbon emissions, getting the diesel out of our food, you can say, So the zucchini comes from my yard into my kitchen. Pretty easy transport there. Carbonless. Is a great way to do that. And another thing that I've been thinking about is that your political opinions don't grow you any food. Your political opinions don't actually feed you. A lot of people are sitting inside right now. They're on the internet. They have a lot of time. And they're actually diving deep into things that I'm glad they have time to dive deep in. So let me just switch gears right now and I want to talk about conspiracy theory in America right now. Conspiracy theory in America right now amidst coronavirus, amidst COVID-19. Conspiracy theory. Okay. First of all, There's some pretty outlandish ones, like 5G is weaponized to turn on the coronavirus inside of our bodies. I think we can all pretty much write that one off. Um, Do I think that 5G is good for us? No, probably not. Do I think that telecommunications companies test the technologies that they try to roll out thoroughly enough for public safety in the long term? No, I don't think that... um, Do I think that cell phones and Wi-Fi are good for us? No, not necessarily. They definitely increase our quality of life pretty significantly. And do they have really long-term effects that we're not totally sure about? Possibly. What is happening right now with everyone being off work at home is that there's a lot of people who are diving deep. They're going deep into the dark side of a lot of the things, a lot of the systems that... We rely on. For instance, there's a lot of people I think that right now are looking into Operation Mockingbird, which like the CIA used the media to control public opinion in America. Or MKUltra, where the military used LSD to try to brainwash people to get them to do their will against the people's will. Or... Like there's so these things go back and back and back. Like the Bay of Tonkin, all these false flag terrorism things that extend to and possibly include 9-11 and the financial sector of how people have just raped and pillaged the American economy for their own gain. And there is so many different dark sides to all of these huge monolithic systems that we live under. And A lot of people like me, I went down this rabbit hole when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Okay, I still occasionally go down these rabbit holes, but for the most part, I've kind of come out the other side of the rabbit hole and I know the darkness of these systems and I want something better. And so I'm really, uh, I feel like I'm on the far side of that. I feel like I'm on the far side of all of that complexity and there's a simplicity that I've found that is self-reliance, right? Yesterday, I talked about self-reliance being the revolution that we need to know ourselves better, have closer relationships with our partners and our closest friends, extending out to our closest 10 people that we can actually really rely on and have really high bandwidth, high trust relationships with. And that extends out to our communities. Self-reliance also talks about how we can grow our own food and power our own homes and deal with our own waste and compost our own shit. Things we don't want to look at, right? So I feel like I'm on the far side of that and I'm not immune to looking at the conspiracy theories, and I actually think that there's a great benefit in looking at those kinds of things, but it also brings up the question of sense-making and how good is our sense-making collectively and how liable are we to fall into the sticky traps of conspiracy theories that are mostly disempowering. If you look at conspiracy theory at large, you can almost categorize it as two things. On one side of conspiracy theory, and I'm kind of summarizing some work by John Vervecki, a Toronto-based psychologist. On one side of conspiracy theory, you have like spirituality, that is oneness, complete oneness, that I am connected to the whole, that all the good things that I am manifesting are coming my way, and that everything is getting better and better and better, right? That's one side of conspiracy theory. The other side of conspiracy theory is the opposite of that. It's exclusion, like that there is a small group of world elites who is conspiring against me and I have no control, right? So one side is the spirituality that I am oneness. I am everything. I am all powerful. And the other is I am powerless. There is world elites conspiracy conspiring against me. Kind of interesting, right? I don't necessarily think it's either. I think it's both and. (sighs) But conspiracy theory typically entails some kind of certainty. And yesterday I talked uh, at length about our own needs to feel certain, our own needs to have some kind of mental stability and a lack of ambiguity in our sense making that we can decide on something concrete and cling on to it. It gives us safety. It gives us stability, right? So conspiracy theory in general is some attempt at having security, some attempt at having certainty. Yesterday, we talked about acknowledging your own need for certainty and watching it very carefully so you don't cling on to something unnecessarily, right? Because right now we are in a liminal state. We're in a transition period. We are in the cocoon. We have to become more comfortable with being in the cocoon. We have to recognize that we are uncomfortable in the cocoon. Without doing that, we're likely to cling on to anything, whether that's nationalism, like the Nazis, right? It was almost 100 years ago where Germany was in a really, really, really bad shape. And they were all in this transition phase and everything was up in the air. And society was like, it was after the First World War and everything was fucked up. And a really convincing guy came along and said, let me give you something to be certain about. This is the problem. This is what we're going to do to take care of it. Here's your certainty. Let me give it to you. We all know how that ended, right? So to be comfortable in the liminal, to be comfortable in our transition phase, to be aware of our own search for certainty is to become more resilient to the players who would try to take advantage of your own search for certainty, right? The people who are trying to give you something to cling on to are less powerful if you're just more comfortable being, hmm, I'm not sure. Hmm, I'm not sure what is actually happening with coronavirus. Hmm, I'm not sure what's actually happening with 5G. Hmm, I'm not sure what's happening with mandated vaccines or with Bill Gates or with any of these things. I'm not really sure. And it's really fucking hard to know. And I'm doing my best to make sense of it, but I'm not so certain. With my own sense-making and the sense-making of people around me from these various sources, whether they be journalists or global health organizations or governments or people on the internet, I'm not so sure, right? And I'm becoming more and more comfortable with that. This is a great exercise for us to be in that together. But I just want to bring it back to the beginning here, like what Akira the Dawn said to me yesterday was that politics are downstream of culture culture is downstream of vibes if we want to control the politics we have to control the culture if we want to control the culture we have to control our vibes we have to know ourselves better we get to choose how we interact we have to take the culture back we don't ask for permission. We get to steal it back. If you want to steal it back with me, share this podcast this is the area in the Air podcast. It's available on every podcast platform. Share it, leave a review. That really helps. I need reviews right now. So if you are willing to do so, leave a review on the, uh, the iTunes app and consider donating. That is paypal.me slash in the air. I really appreciate the people who have been supporting this podcast. This is listener funded 100% folks. So if you can donate paypal.me slash in the air, I really appreciate everyone watching, listening. This is on, I've been streaming this live on Facebook. It has started some really great conversations. So I encourage you post your comments below any thoughts you have, what this brought up for you. If you have questions, your own experience, what resonates, what doesn't let me know we're all in this together. I hope you guys are doing well and hanging in there. Let me know how I can help you grow your own food, control your vibes. We are becoming a butterfly, my folks. We are becoming a butterfly. So be beautiful. Okay. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow.